0: homes.com we've done your homework
1: hello and welcome to happier a podcast where we discuss cutting-edge science the wisdom of the ages lessons from pop culture and our own experiences about how to be happier this week our happiness hack is to do a favor for your future self by starting your holiday shopping early And we'll talk to fashion entrepreneur Liz Lang about her fascinating podcast, The Just Enough Family. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and joining me today from L.A. is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, who knows all about actors making choices. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And
0: yes, Gretchen, although I can't act at all myself, I do spend time with actors who are making choices.
1: (laughs) Yes. Now, before we launch in, a few updates. A reminder that our special book club episode with Kate Bowler is coming up. We will be discussing her excellent memoir, No Cure for Being Human. It has been great to see people's insights and questions. So keep those coming. Um, We are really looking forward to our conversation with Kate. And Elizabeth, Kate's book is now a a New York Times bestseller, so we were very happy to see that for her. Yes, deservedly so, Gretchen. Yes, yes. Also, many workplaces are becoming more flexible. A lot of people are not having the usual five-day-a-week in the office schedule, and I am so curious. So let me know if your organization, your school, whatever, is, what are they doing to deal with this? Like, how do you build and maintain office culture? How do you make new people feel part of the team? How do you, How do you keep people engaged? Um, I asked a question about this a few weeks ago, and I've gotten so many great responses. So keep those answers coming.
0: And then, Gretchen, in episode 346, I gave myself a demerit for not writing down an idea.
1: (laughs) We've all done it.
0: Many people have done the same. And Kalina had this to say. She said, when I was in high school, my father used to say to me, when you want to remember something, just turn your watch upside down to the inside of your wrist. While turning it, just say the thing you want to remember to yourself. Bring your watch back to its normal position when you've either written down the thing you want to remember or you've done the thing you wanted to do. The physical activity of turning my watch helps me make a mental note about the thing I want to write down while the little discomfort nudges me to get the task done so that I can bring my watch back to its usual position.
1: I love this suggestion because I can exactly see how it will work. I'm going to try this myself. And sometimes it's just that quick action is... Like, all you can do. You don't have time to write it down or to pull out your phone and write something in an app or send yourself a voice text or something fancy. Or you need something that is just super quick that you're like, okay, what am I reminding myself to do? It's like trying, it's like tying string to your finger, but right. you don't need the string.
0: Yes, this is great when you're driving.
1: Yes, because it's something that you could very safely do. So, thank you, Kalina. Yes. Okay, this week our Try This At Home tip is to make a choice like an actor.
0: And you got this idea from one of your favorite podcasts, scratch The Office Ladies.
1: Yes, I love The Office. I love Office Ladies. And I've noticed that in many episodes, they'll talk about choices. They'll be like, well, that was a really interesting choice. Or I was really surprised by that choice. And they were really using it kind of like in all capitals, you know, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> what is this choice? Um, so, Elizabeth, of course, I was like, hey, I have somebody who knows about the world of Hollywood. What is this making a choice that they're talking about?
0: Yeah, so actors are just always making choices. Like what? The best actors usually make the boldest choices. So, Mm. I mean, just a very stark example would be if an actor read a line um, in a script and instead of speaking the words, she sang the words, well, that would be a strong choice, right? That would be a very bold choice. It may or may not work. right? But they're always making choices about how to deliver lines or... What attitude to put behind lines. And it's interesting right. because you brought up to me this idea of choices and making choices. And it reminded me of a story from Fantasy Island. Mm, yeah. We had two actresses, an um actress named Debbie Morgan, who is a very famous soap star, guest starred in one of our episodes. And if you watch Fantasy Island, you'll remember she played Eileen, who became invisible uh, while on Fantasy Island. Yes, yes. And in her story, she was working with the actress Kiara Barnes, who plays Ruby, who's a young actress also coming from Soaps. And Kiara said to me, this has been so great working with Debbie because she's not afraid to make really bold choices And if it doesn't work, she doesn't care. She just shakes Mm. it off. Uh, She's like, and it's making me feel free to make bold choices and to not feel like I have to be in the box, you know, mm. because I think like everybody, actors are self-conscious. They don't want to make mistakes. They don't want to fail. We all feel this way. And Kiara was like, it's okay to fail if it doesn't work. Hey, there's another take. Right, And when she was talking about this, it struck me how that really applies to life. Right, Just making bold choices and not being afraid to fail.
1: Right. Well, and I thought of it in a slightly different way because I was thinking about the choices I was making about how I entered a scene in my life. So, for instance, even before COVID, like I had kind of started to notice that when I go into social situations, like let's say it's a cocktail party or just like there's a, a room full of people I was thinking about the fact that I tend to have an observing, quiet demeanor, Mm. like I'm taking it all in. And it's not that I'm not friendly or that I'm not interested in talking to people and engaging, but I don't have a really like... My energy is not really high. Whereas I would say, like, if I'm speaking or like when we did our live events, I would be very aware that I need to pump up my energy, like to bring it to that occasion. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I need to make a different choice in these social situations. And I'm not being fake, but it's just like an actor is like, do I read this quietly or do I read this bigger? I could just think like, well, I'm going to make a choice in the way that I want to enter into this scene And bring a slightly different set of choices to it because I think that in social situations, I find that the more high-energy people are the ones that are easier to connect with. And so I think I probably would be easier for others to connect with me. And then because of that, probably I would find it easier to connect with them. You know, it's one of these things that might be sort of a a virtuous spiral. Yes. So I am now really going to make that effort.
0: Well, Gretchen, that reminds me when um, Sarah and I were embarking on season one of Fantasy Island, I actually wrote on a post-it on the wall, We Are Yes People. Because I wanted to make the choice to enter into meetings, especially with executives, but also with the writers, with an attitude of yes, by making the choice to say yes. Like, if someone needed to say no down the line, they could. But I wanted to make a yes choice, just with the same idea that people will respond better to a yes. Yes. And also, if I'm in the frame of mind of
1: yes, yes,
0: I'm more accepting of other people's ideas.
1: Right. Well, again, I think it's kind of the having the intention and thinking through in advance what you want to bring to a situation then helps you make the choice that really you do want to make moment to moment, but that sometimes sometimes we forget mm-hmm. <laughs> when we're actually in the moment. You're like, oh, wait, I wanted to take that a different way. Yes. And I think these two ideas actually go together
0: of the yeah. it's OK to fail and making a choice of how you want to enter the room, because I yeah. think a lot of times the reasons we don't enter with energy,
1: let's say, is because we're afraid. Yeah, yeah. no, it's the caution and that it feels safer to kind of hold it back and hold it down. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so let us know if you do try this at home and if making a choice like an actor works for you, let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or as always, you can go to the show notes. This is HappierCast.com slash 348 for everything related to this episode.
0: Coming up, we have a holiday happiness hack. But first, a break.
1: When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team
0: Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen.
1: Okay, Elizabeth. this week we have a happiness hack to do a favor for your future self. Yeah, so Gretchen, the holidays are coming fast. Yeah. How is it possible that they are
0: coming up so soon? I know, it was like just the 4th of July. Yeah. So that means we're all doing our holiday shopping. And I started early. I actually started in April, believe it or not, when I was in Puerto Rico. And this year, between like the global supply chain issues yeah. and all the online shopping and everyone's saying
1: shipping is going to take a long time it is a good idea to shop now. Right. So in our family, our extended family, we do this thing where you draw for stockings and all the adults pick another adult and you sort of fill their stocking. And so because of this, when you were in New York recently, I was like, let's go ahead and draw for stockings now so that everybody has in their mind who they're on the lookout for because we don't, we don't want to leave it to the last minute. Let's go ahead and do this, which usually we do that around Thanksgiving time. Often th- Thanksgiving Day is the time when we draw for stockings. So we really accelerated that process.
0: Gretch, Sarah and I, even we were so motivated about our own holiday shopping that we did a holiday gift guide. If anyone wants ideas, episode 231.
1: Well, you know what's so funny about that, too, is because in it a couple times, Elizabeth, you're like, and Gretchen, if you're listening, fast forward, because I'm getting this for you. And I got the biggest kick out of that I was like standing on the sidewalk laughing out loud because I'm like here I am fast forwarding because Alyssa's going to talk about what she's getting for me yes and Alyssa I think you know that you're you probably have some happiness project journals in your future um, I certainly hope so but Alyssa I thought one thing you did that was great is one of your stress reactions to sort of all the, the pressure around Fantasy Island and like is it going to get picked up Made you want to do online shopping, but you channeled this desire in a very constructive way.
0: That's right.
1: I, instead of buying things
0: for myself, when I felt the need to buy, I bought gifts, holiday gifts for people. So that's why I am, like, well into my shopping. I
1: was staggered over the summer when you're like, oh, yeah, I just got that. I was like, what are you? I I know. Yeah, you're on top of this one. But I want to do that every year. It's a great way to channel anxiety shopping. And if you want to do something else for your future self, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter, my five things making me happy newsletter, because I will often offer uh, discounts and promotions and limited time offers for all the stuff that I'm offering that somebody might be buying as a gift or asking for a gift for themselves. Um, You can go to GretchenRubin.com slash newsletter if you want to do that. And now for an interview, we will be talking to Liz Lang. Liz Lang is an American fashion designer and entrepreneur. She's the creative director and CEO of FIG and the founder of Liz Lang Maternity, which introduced form-fitting designer Pregnancy Wear in 1998. I met Liz years ago at a conference. So I was particularly interested when I heard she had this new podcast, The Just Enough Family. Well, Liz, you and I heard about it because our mother listened to it. And she was like, oh my gosh, you've got to listen to this podcast. It's hosted by the New Yorker writer Ariel Levy. I read her book, The Rules Do Not Apply, which I highly recommend. And we both binge listened to this podcast.
0: We did. Here's the description. Staggering success, unexpected loss, over-the-top parties, shocking betrayals, and profound intimacy are woven together into a high-profile family therapy session. The Just Enough family follows the meteoric rise and staggering fall of the Steinbergs. Once one of America's richest families, through the eyes of Liz Lang, successful fashion designer, captivating storyteller, and niece of the infamous corporate raider Saul Steinberg. It's about new money, old secrets, and the fine line between success and excess. It was so fascinating. I mean, yeah. Liz's relationship to her sister Jane, each of their relationships to their very complicated mother and father, and then yeah. how the family revolved around her uncle, yeah. It was all just so compelling.
1: Yes. And another kind of connection was that when we started the Happier podcast, we used to work with the brilliant Laura Mayer, and she is the executive producer of the Just Enough family. So that was also exciting for us. Yes.
0: Hello, Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi, ladies.
2: So psyched to be here.
1: Thank you. We're so
0: excited to have you. And we want to Thanks. hear how you came to make this podcast. You and Ariel Levy were
2: friends. Is that right? Yes, Aria Levy is a very old and close friend of mine. She's not old. We're just old friends. And uh, in fact, she's young. And we had always talked about doing my memoir. I had been interested in writing my memoir for a while. Ari, because she's such an incredible writer, was going to help me possibly ghost it, you know, just very, be very involved. But it never ended up happening. Then she ended up getting this gig with Sony to do podcasts. And she came to me and asked if she could do an episode on me. It was also during COVID. So I was someone she had access to. Mm. So that helped. We recorded an episode. She came back to me shortly thereafter and was like, this is so good. It's not just an episode. It has to be a series. And so we decided to sort of, I think she decided to devote the entire season to it.
0: Was that a hard decision for you to sort of put it all out there? You know, it should have been. I think I
2: was quite Mm. naive. (laughs) Looking back, (laughs) it definitely should have been. But I kind of just went with it. That's sort of the way I live my life anyway, just sort of jumped in. And yes, I'd be lying if I said that now that it's out in the world, there hasn't been some fallout. Of course, there has been. But I don't think I completely anticipated that. Is it,
1: it, you talk a lot about hard facts about your own family, your immediate family. And so is it fallout from them or it's more like other people who are sort of tangentially involved, having their own views and- It's
2: it's it's, it's all of the above. And I mean, I mm. should, I've, I've been a semi-public person for most of my career yeah, and I'm not, I'm sure. hardly a celebrity, but you know, and I do know yeah. that people feel very comfortable when you're slightly public, which is fine. You know, giving you their opinion on absolutely <laughs> everything. <laughs> so, so in terms of the general public, Yes. Like, of course, reading some of the reviews, which are mostly positive, but some of the ones that aren't, that are very personal, you know, is a bit of ouch. And I'll say mm-hmm. anything like, you know, I think they've said that uh, there should be a drinking game just where you drink, where I say literally. I probably do say literally <laughs> oh. a lot. Literally. No. So yeah. there was that. And then, of course, yes, with the family, Um, even though many of my family, as you know, participated. Yes. Uh, yes. So that, I guess, did surprise me. But definitely there have been some people who were hurt or offended. And I feel very badly about that because that is clearly the last thing that I wanted. In my mind, I was telling a very personal story about myself and I was quite cognizant of the fact that my family would be hearing it. So there was a lot that I, you know, even though it seems like I put it all out there, I really didn't. You know, like (laughs) everything in life, I put out what I put out, but of course it's Mm -hmm. just one slice. So yes, but I mean, generally I've been overjoyed by the reaction. I mean, genuinely I've been shocked by how many people tell me they love it or obsessed with it, have listened to it more than once, blah, blah, blah. So that's all been good.
1: Well, there's so many interesting... Interesting aspects of the podcast. But one of the things that interested us most was how it seemed, at least to the listener, that the process of being interviewed and telling the story seemed to cause you to look at your own history in a new way, or that you yourself were starting to have a different perspective on events from the past. Was that the case? Did did you come to understand your own life differently after sort of the discipline of going through this interview process?
2: Yeah, definitely. That was one of the most fascinating and unexpected uh mm. term events. Mm. You know, I definitely just I, I when I as I started listening and as Ari would play back for me some of the things that other people said mm. and their their version of events, I realized how there' are these sort of I, I think it's true in every family I think they're just these sort of like they're like myths almost family myths that you grow up mm-hmm. with that are just unquestioning just the narrative of something and then you start to realize, oh wait, you know there might be two sides to this story it's more complicated than I realized I left it and I might have even said this having an enormous amount of empathy for basically everybody Mm. that, that everybody that was mentioned for my entire family. I mean, that sounds like a strange thing to say, but really um, feeling like, gee, you know, we all, I'm trying to think of how to say it, but the idea that everybody sort of had their own struggles and everybody had their own way of looking at things. And everybody was, I think for the most part, you know, Trying to do their best, or I, if that that I, that might sound kind of saccharine, but I, I I mean it, and it was very important to me when I told the story, and I hope it comes through. For me, personally, there's nothing that I dislike more than sort of adults who are sitting around whinging and whining about their childhood or their parents. Because I just kind of feel like at a certain point, like own who you are. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's not your parents fault, like you are who you are. And I definitely feel that way. And I definitely feel that my life is exactly what I want it to be and that it has worked out and I'm quite happy. So in no way was this meant to be a like, then this happened, then that happened. Like, it's it's not meant to be sad, if that makes sense. Yes, Does and it, it doesn't yeah. come across as sad, it's, but fascinating. <laughs> Good. And
0: Liz, given everything that you've been through at this point, what are your insights into the relationship between money and happiness? That's a big question, I know. It's it is question. a big question.
2: I know that the, the popular thing to say, and I think what people are taking away from this podcast, is the oldest saying in the book of money doesn't buy happiness. And of course it doesn't. Like that, you know, there, there's no doubt. And I'm going to say something that you two are probably going to disagree with. I think money helps. I do. Like I, I don't, I'm not saying that it buys happiness. I don't. I think if you live your whole life thinking if only I had a little bit more, I'd be happier, you're going to find yourself possibly one day with a little bit more, still quite unhappy. But it, when I look at my own childhood, the money was fun. The money was great. Like I feel like maybe that's an unpopular thing to say, but I, I want to be honest.
1: One of the things that was interesting to me is you seem to paint a picture of people that were out of control, that, yeah, the money was great and the money was fun, but there was almost this feeling that it had kind of, people were like not really in control of their spending. It felt a little bit dangerous to you as a child. Is
2: that right? Yes. I I kind of knew that there was a lot of excess spending going on, but I think, I mean, she must've been ironically smarter than I was. I think my sister felt more of the Tenuousness of it than I. Maybe did. it came
1: through in your sisters. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm I'm confusing what you said with yeah. what your sister said. Yeah, she mean, definitely was much more wary of the all the situations that were going on.
2: A hundred percent, she was, and definitely I, there. I, I mean, I must have mentioned too that there was this feeling of this train that doesn't stop. There was yeah. that feeling. But, and I know that there were times when I would say things to, I mean, I remember, I think I might have said, I might have, I remember I once asked my father, like, dad, like, do you save for a rainy day? I think it must have been something I heard at school, yes, like you people did. should you, save for is. a rainy day. And if he was like, rainy day? Like, no, because it never rains. Like, what do you mean? Like, why would it rain? So I think it must have struck me because look, I still remember it. So There must have been part of me on an unconscious level that did feel that way.
1: Wait, hang on. Can I just interrupt one second, Elizabeth? Didn't Anderson Cooper say that he, as a thirteen-year-old, heard that you should save for rainy day, and that's when he started trying to get jobs on the side to save money? I think he he alluded to exactly that same idea: save for rainy day. So if we think amazing. our kids aren't listening to us, they are. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yes, that's amazing that we both yeah. had that same sort of, because it's. Just, yeah. I, I haven't read his book yet, but I'm interested yeah. too. Well, we um, just
1: interviewed him and he was talking about, you know, his own family's relationship to money, which was also very complicated. And he mentioned this, this idea that he'd heard that you needed to save. And he was like, well, if my mom's not saving, maybe I need to save.
2: Yes, that is a good way to... That that was smart. Um, yeah. I I, I'm not, I didn't. Um, yeah. so, So, um, but I definitely do remember sort of this nervousness of knowing that there was that concept of yeah of saving for rainy day and that we did not seem to be doing it, but yet it didn't make me then start my own little savings account. You know, I say it seemed
1: like there was so much.
2: It did. It did.
1: Well, one of the things that was particularly interesting, I think, to Elizabeth and me was your relationship with your sister, which it it seems from the podcast that when you were children, you were not very close at all. You were very different. You had very different attitudes towards your mother, towards your father, towards the whole family. But then as adults, you've become quite close. How did you come to be close? Because I think that's a lot of people start out close and drift apart. It seems more unusual that it would go the opposite direction.
2: Yeah, I think we were very lucky. Uh, well, lucky and unlucky, but that's part of uh, you know my whole Pollyanna thing, I guess. But that when my parents separated, that's really when it happened. And what happened very specifically was, as I I think I said a bunch of times, like I didn't really, I didn't think my sister had any deep thoughts whatsoever i was obviously completely wrong but that was right. my impression of her oh this but like- you were
1: a super good student you were obviously smart and you thought, and she didn't seem that way to you. It
2: just didn't seem it. It was probably again, also something I was sort of hearing from my parents. Not they weren't actually saying these words out loud, but their attitudes towards both of us. That Jane was this blonde beauty. Every, you know, Jane was just so popular as long as Jane was, you know, I I just, I I couldn't relate to her on any level and I'm sure she had all similar thoughts about me. But, um, but then my parents are getting separated. Jane and I go to have lunch together. I, you know, we weren't, you know, it was like we never saw each other. So we met for lunch. We at what was then Pasta and Cheese, which was a restaurant on the fifth floor of Bergdorf Goodman, because I can mm. like see it in my mind's eye. And we're sitting there and we start to talk about my parents' divorce, and Jane starts to cry. She starts to cry hysterically. And things just start to come out, like just the way she was feeling. Her relationship with my mother, with my father, and it was for me. It was it was absolutely revelatory. I was like, wait, this is a person I can connect with. This is a person. Like like she's been thinking all these things too. Like she's not blank at all. Not at all. And
1: how old were you at that time? I was
2: 25, and she was probably 22. We were we're three years apart. So or you know or maybe we were 24 and 21. But it was that that time period. And today I'm 55, so it was quite a while ago. So it's almost hard for me now to remember a time when the two of us weren't best friends. You know, we we, we speak at least once a day, sometimes more than once, and we are extremely, you know, our families vacation together, our children grew up together. This was way pre either of us being married or even meeting our husbands. That that was really the watershed moment. It was something about their divorce that we bonded.
1: Well, one of the things that you talk about that was must have been very very difficult was discovering that your father had this other family, which that is such a huge secret to discover and something such a shock, I'm sure, to ever, everyone. Were you already close to her? I can't remember the timeline. Were you already close to her? Or was that part of the, the 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 revelations that helped to bring you closer?
2: I think we were just getting close. I don't think I, my father told. I think that 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 emerged slightly quickly, but also slowly. That wasn't the first thing we knew about their um, my parents' separation and divorce. So I I think that. We were already getting bonded, but certainly we were we became extremely bonded over the insanity of that and over um over as which we're very open about, over the way we felt about the woman ultimately that he was having the affair with. And it was I, I can't say this enough. It was not because they were having an affair like that that it's thirty years later or whatever. i, I it sounds like we should have been totally horrified by the revelation. but frankly, at that point, I'm not even sure how much I... I mean, it was weird. I was like, who are you and who would do such a thing? But it wasn't like... It didn't feel like a personal injury. I felt like that was more between mm. me and my mother. Mm. You know what I mean? It would mm. be more like if I found that out today about my husband, that would right. be you know right. unbelievable. But finding out, it was kind of like, you know what? I've been in college for four of those years. I was out of the house for th- another three oh, like when I tried to piece it together, because it didn't make any sense to me. And I was like, wait, but we were always together as a family. When did you have the time? I realized Mm. that in my timeline, maybe it had started my 11th or 12th grade year of high school when I was already, you know, a very self-involved teen myself. So so, yeah, it didn't feel as shocking as you might imagine. I mean, it was odd. Well, and
0: I would think (laughs) in a family where there is so much excess that so e- outsized behavior also then seems
2: more normal. Yes, that might be it too, that I was used to so many strange, extreme things happening. I, it sounds weird. I, I don't recall being as phased by that. I was very phased by all of his behavior post the divorce, the quickness with which he wanted to integrate her and her children into our lives who she ended up being as a person, the way she acted towards us. That was all sh- the, the lies, just when I felt like he kept lying to us about stuff where it was time to come clean, like saying things like, well, I met her last week, but I've taken a house in Southampton and we're going to rent it together for the summer. And we're like, well, nobody meets someone three days ago and then rents a house with them and their daughters. That doesn't make sense, dad. Um, it was it was that kind of stuff that was actually really hard. If that makes again, if that makes yeah. sense.
1: Yeah. Well, Liz, before we let you go, do you have a try this at home suggestion that you would recommend that people try if they want to be happier, healthier, more productive or more creative just as part of their ordinary day?
2: I mean, my thing is that no matter what I do this, honestly, even when I'm sick, I mean, obviously not if I'm super, super sick, but I try never to lie in bed. I get up. I get dressed. Oh. I don't wear a, a lot of makeup ever because I don't like it. But if I, you know, whatever my little makeup routine is, I just kind of feel like even if I'm seeing nobody, if I look a little better and I like <laughs> up and brush my teeth and I'm in an outfit, it doesn't have to be an uncomfortable outfit. I just feel better and happier. It's just a strange thing with me where people say, oh, stay in bed. You're not feeling well. I'm like, no, that would just really depress me and be strange. And so
1: Elizabeth and I both once decided for a month to only wear real clothes and not just oh, yeah. athleisure, and it we didn't get, we didn't make it to day thirty-three. I'll say that, but yeah. but it's but you're right. It can really give you a boost to just feel like you've pulled yourself out of bed and pulled yourself together. Exactly. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, Liz. It was thank so you. fun to talk to you. You too.
0: Thank you. Coming up, Gretchen has a repeat gold star, from first, this break. Yes, I love all the colors. Yeah. They make stunning gifts that are actually useful. Weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays. It's the perfect gift for the foodie in your life. So upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code HAPPIER. That's greatjones.com,
1: promo code HAPPIER. Okay, Elizabeth, it's time for Demerits and Gold Stars, and this week, it's your turn to talk about a demerit. Yes. Okay, Gretchen, I am giving
0: myself a happiness demerit for gossiping. Mm. I feel that I have been really just feeling very gossipy lately. And for me, it's one thing if someone else brings up something and then I sort of ask them about it or listen, but I have found myself initiating gossip. Ooh. I feel like I'm not one normally to like really be the gossip queen, but for some reason, I don't
1: know if it's anxiety or what, I just find myself sort of being that person. It is really tempting. And I will say this, that if you're in a non-directed conversation, so you're not having like a work conversation about two-thirds of the time that we spend talking to each other we spend on issues like personal likes and dislikes personal experiences other people's behavior relationships Mm. and so things like politics sports religion culture hobbies work we don't we just don't talk about them nearly as much people want to talk about other people right that's that's just the fact of the matter.
0: Well, and I know there's a difference between talking about someone or something in a constructive way and a non-constructive way. And when I have yeah. that gross feeling after, yeah. then I know I've been gossiping. Yeah. And then I want to text people and say, excuse me for gossiping. And, you know, it spirals. Yeah, right. So I
1: got to get a lid on the gossiping grudge. Well, I think this is a great example of, like, by assigning it a demerit, you make yourself so much more aware of the behavior. Yeah. Because it is one of these things where it's it's the thing that it feels good in the moment, and then you feel very bad about it later because you know you're not living up to your values. And so it's a temptation that requires a lot of vigilance, yes. I would say. Yes. So, yes. I'm gonna, We've all done it. I'm
0: going to do better. Gretch,
1: take us up. What is your gold star? Now, this is a repeat gold star because I just want to give a gold star to listeners because we ask lots of questions like, What's your workplace doing to make people happier? Or what are your questions for Kate Bowler? Or or, hey, overbuyers, what are you doing about your overbuying? Or lots of questions. And we get such great answers. It is so fascinating. It's so helpful. It's so constructive. Plus, so many listeners just take it upon themselves to be like my research assistants and being like, oh, there's this podcast where they talk about the sense of smell. Or I think that this person is a questioner. You should listen and see what you think. And I I spent a huge part of my day just like, looking things up, listening to things, watching a video that somebody sent to me. And I just feel like I want to share my appreciation because there's so— somebody just the other day was like, hey, do you know the Harry Potter store in New York City has these virtual reality experiences that might be really great for your five senses Mm -hmm. experiment? It's like, oh, yeah, now I got my excuse to go to the Harry Potter store. I just—it just— dramatically has expanded my world and and, and kind of all the resources that I know about. And um, so I just want to say thank you to everybody. I really, really appreciate it.
0: Well, I'll add on to that, Gretchen. I'll join in that gold star.
1: Yes. And the resources for this week. Today, October 20th, if you are listening today, is National Day of Writing. If you are looking to start or continue a writing-related habit, you can download a free and newly designed resolutions chart if you go to happiercast.com slash resolution chart. And I want to let you know, speaking of thinking of holiday gifts ahead of time, if you are thinking about giving one of my books as a gift— or if you want to personalize your own copy, you can request a personalized signed bookplate. These are for U.S. and Canada only. Unfortunately, that's because of mailing costs. I will put a direct link in the show notes where you can put in your information, or you can go to gretchenrubin.com resources and click request a signed Bookplate. But do these soon because it's a little bit of a process for me to send these out, and I do not want to be late with those. And what we are reading. Elizabeth? what are you reading? I am reading Sag Harbor by Colson Whitehead. And I am reading Eavesdropping, A Memoir of Blindness and Listening by Stephen Cusisto. Hashtag read 21 and 21. (laughs) Read those books, everybody. Yep. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Make a choice like an actor. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you.
0: Thank you to Liz Lang. Listen to her podcast, The Just Enough Family. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter, at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And here it comes, as I say
1: every week. Please follow us, rate us, review us, wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Craft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward.
0: Gretchen, it was just so interesting how Liz's sister had a totally yes. different experience, and when she was being interviewed, it was like listening to a whole other story.
1: Yes, no, rarely, you know that different members of a family kind of experience things differently, but that was such a stark contrast. About two sisters who weren't that far apart in age right. had a completely different sense of the characters of their parents of. The dynamics of the family. Yeah. It's fascinating. From the Onward Project.